Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away. And on time, Stan the Fan and Craig Heist with the Bat Around. Welcome in this Saturday morning, the 25th, is it? Yes. 25th of November. We trust and hope that your Thanksgiving holiday was a great one for you and that you spent it with some people that uh, are very special to you. A couple of people that are very special to me are my co-host Craig Heist. Can you wave to the camera, Craig? Hi there. Pretend you're happy you're here. I am. (laughs) And Brittany Everett, who's happy wherever she is. Uh, she is the producer of the show, and we welcome you in for another round of The Batter Round. And we've got quite a show today, Craig. Yeah, and uh, some, some big news this week out of the Orioles camp, and we got a lot of people here to talk about do? it. What did they do? <laughs> well, they finally got a, uh, finally got a, uh, a hierarchy for this ball club, and we're going to talk about that uh, as the morning progresses. And uh, also... Uh, a good, good friend of mine uh, covers the Yankees uh, quite a bit in the rest of Major League Baseball, uh, Mark Feinsand. He'll be with us uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, along about 11.35, uh, because he did an interview with Manny Machado recently and uh, talked to Manny about his comments to Ken Rosenthal. The recant tour. The recant tour. The, the recant tour. Uh, I, think, I think he's probably aiming to better his uh, free agency positioning if you will, and uh, we'll talk to Mark about that. He was that. trying to clarify some comments. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, a lot of what he said I kind of agree with, And uh, but uh, Mark will tell us exactly his take on the conversation. Look, I, I, I got into a, uh, you know, I'm doing this Masson thing once a week now in Middle Atlantic Sports Report, and I was on with Dave Johnson, and Phil, Phil Wood said something about how dirty Manny is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. about – those two plays where he hit the first baseman's feet. Uh, I chimed in. I said, look, I'm not a huge Manny Machado fan. I'm not upset that he's not going to be here for the next eight or ten years. But I think I'm hearing a lot of piling on on Manny Machado as to what a dirty ball player Mm -hmm. he is. I said, neither of those first basemen, Jesus Aguilar or Steve Pierce, really are trained first basemen, okay? that really know how to play the position and put their foot right on the edge of the bag. Right. They both had their Achilles like firmly planted on the base. On, on, yeah, on, the on, base. on kind of top of the base. On top of the base. So like a quarter of – Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was, on the, it was on the inside of the field part. Right. So Manny should have missed them, but he didn't. But I didn't think – I don't think a guy who's had two surgically repaired knees, right – is intentionally going to clip the heel of a first baseman and know that he's not going to injure himself in the process. Right, and I don't think so either. And I think there is a lot of uh, uh, a lot of piling on when it comes yeah. to Manny. He, he's put that target on his back, right? You know, and and, and that's something now that 
is going to be with him. Live with, and that's, it's going to be with him for a while, and he's got a he's got a long road to hoe to get people to think about that less. Exactly. In terms of immediately him. when you think of him, you think of public enemy number one, right. almost. You know, and that's clearly something he's put on his back. You know, I'd be more. Uh, I'd I'd rather he uh, that Mark Feinstein asked him about his hairdo and <laughs> and what, whether he'd like to redo that you know and reimage his hairdo. Yeah, well. Anyway, Dave Johnson then said, "Stan, he goes. This show is supposed to be about differences of opinion. Right? I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree less with you. Yeah, right. Uh, I think you're way off. I think he's a dirty player. Mm-hmm. You know, and look, that's what makes horse races a difference of opinion. Right. Uh, anyway." Steve Garland's going to join us in about seven minutes. From Steve, Big Bats. From Big Bats, one of our favorite places to stop and watch sports and eat food. Todd Karpovich, who is uh, handling the Baltimore Orioles beat for us, uh, once Rich Dubroff took over BaltimoreBaseball.com, Todd will be with us. And Todd's got a book signing today at 11 o'clock, I believe, at Greetings and Readings. Mm-hmm. He and Mark Amatucci are there. Is that still over on Lock Raven? No, they moved, no, they moved. some time ago. They're over on the avenue at White Marsh. Oh, okay. They Good enough. Really, yeah. They've been there. Seriously, I'm not trying to make fun of you. They've been no, there no, at least, well, at you least know what? 12 years. You know how I always years. knew that Greetings and Readings was in Lock Raven Boulevard? Many years of listening to the Johnny Walker show on WFBR. Right. They were a big sponsor, right. Johnny Walker. Well, here's the book. Uh, it's called No Limits. And it's the Mark Amatucci story, written by Todd Karpovic and Joe Baker, uh, and it's getting a lot of good buzz and and, a, and here. a spiral copy to boot. Yeah, yeah, a spiral. Copy. I mean, that's like that's like press. That's uh, like a press guide. It's like yeah. press guides yeah. because you know they, they hand it's, you out a press guide at the beginning of the year. It's like cheaper to print than right, a hard but copy. it's but it's you know they it's hand you the out a press program. guide at the beginning of the year. And the first thing you do is you open it up, and then you're like, "Nah, this isn't going to work. I need a I need a spiral yeah. copy of it." I yeah. And I'm not, I'm no longer as important on the beat to get the spiral copy. Mm-hmm. I usually get there by the time the initial run of spirals is out. Well, when so you don't I show up, up until yeah, June. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Todd Karpovich will join us. Then our old friend Mike Shallon from the um, New Hampshire Union Leader will mm-hmm. join us. Talk a little about the uh, Boston Red Sox offseason and about this story that has, not, it's not breaking news now, but it's a pretty interesting story up in those parts how Larry Lucchino, who owns the Pawtucket Red Sox, right. is moving the Pawtucket team to Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, he and Charles Steinberg, who's the president of the team, uh, will talk to Mike about that and see if it if it's got some impact there around the Boston with, with, area. With a new ballpark, too. They're, they're going to get a yeah. new ballpark, and I think it's going to move in 2021. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. I've seen renderings to the, of the ballpark. Have really you? nice. Chana yeah, Marie has yes. uh, handled that aspect of it. Steve Sparks, who we had on the show a couple months ago, I think you were off that day, I think. Steve Sparks is a color analyst for the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. He joins us at 11.05. And then, as mentioned, uh, to finish up the show at 11.40 today, Mark Feinsand of uh, an executive reporter at MLB.com. That must mean he's like a bigger shot than Bill Latson. Well, most people are a bigger shot than Bill <laughs> Latson, but anyway. Now, by the way, and all kidding aside, did you see Bill's post? Yeah. Uh, are you aware that he needs a uh, oh, kidney transplant? For, for several he's years. He's needed it yeah, for yeah. several years. So yeah. he's looking for somebody out there with type O 
Is it type O negative? Yes, I believe it is O negative. O negative blood uh, who could be a possible uh, match for him, um, Bill Latson. Mm -hmm. We'll specially mention that he's a Yankee fan because Yankees probably have more fans than any other team in baseball. And maybe one of them, seriously, will step up for a uh, uh, fellow Yankee fan. All right? Yeah. All right. But I would urge any fan that has type O negative blood to contact Bill Latson at MLB.com and see if there's anything you can do if you're willing to be a donor. All right, um, that's a that's a t- that's a tough one. That's a tough ask. Uh, but Bill Latson is a great great guy, and we hope that uh, he can find that match. All yeah, right? and uh, he's handled it, uh, you, you know, very well throughout the entire time he's had the condition, and uh, you know he knows that. And, and the doctors told him he needed a transplant. And, uh, you know, he was worried about whether or not he should be advertising it. Some people told him he should. And yeah, I'm I think certainly he should. one of them. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't hit, you know, he, we don't hit as many people as WFAN or ESPN right. radio, but you never know who you're going to hit. Who, who that you're going to hit. And you yeah. That, might look into it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I did not know. And I've known Bill now, what, three years probably? Two, three years, yeah. Since we've had I did him on not know. I knew he was doing dialysis, mm-hmm. but I don't know enough about kidney disease. Is everyone on dialysis in need of a transplant? Uh, I don't think so. But uh, and again, um, I'm pretty well, novice we'll have, at this myself. We'll have to have him on and discuss it, and yeah. maybe have and seriously have maybe and somebody. See, from well, the, number one, see if he wants to if talk he wants about to talk it, yeah. about it. But also maybe the same program. Have somebody on from the National Kidney Foundation yeah. talk a little bit about it. What's involved with a uh, transplant? Because mm-hmm. I love I love Bill Latson. I think he's a terrific guy. His baseball uh, uh, rooting interest is a little misplaced, but well, uh, that's always been the case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got we've got our friend from uh, Big Bats on. Neither one of us is wearing our Big Bats. No, t-shirt and I should today. have. If I'd known he was on the show today, uh, I would have gone uh, ahead right. and worn my T-shirt. All right. Well, joining us right now. By the way. Just want to urge everybody that's listening early on in the show, please share this on your Facebook uh, live post uh, that you're watching it on. Please share it and like it. It really helps us build up an audience so we can get sponsors like Big Bats. And joining us now is the owner of Big Bats, Steve Garland. Steve, how are you, my friend? Stan, great to talk to you. Great to listen to you guys while I'm waiting on hold here. All right. Hey, first of all, it's it's not quite the severity of a kidney transplant, but you had a knee replacement done. What in late in mid August? Uh, late uh, for beginning of July. Beginning of July. Okay, that's right. Um, now we had you on for about five or six weeks in a row because you were sitting at home uh, recuperating and getting ready to get your strength up. How are you doing now compared to like two three weeks after that surgery? I'm not going to run a marathon, but I'm about 90% right now. And pain level differential? No pain during the day at all. A little bit of uh, uncomfortability at night, depending on how how hard I worked that day. Well, now, uh, as far as the marathon is concerned, if you're 90% now, when you get to 100%, is this a possibility? No, I might be able to walk to the store and back, but no marathon. Oh, all right. Good you might enough. walk over to the TV to watch a marathon. All yeah, right. but it, 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 it's doing really well, so I'm, right. I'm, I'm very pleased with it. All right. How's business at uh, Big Bats? Well, business is doing uh, pretty good. Uh, it's, you know, it's this time of year where people's money is trying to go five different places, yep. so 
you know, you appreciate what you get each day, and it's doing all right. So uh, today is uh, Shop Local Day, you know, over the country. So we're set up today to have – we brought all of our clothing downstairs, and everything's 20% off, and our older stuff is all for like 8 bucks. Is today so, the day you can spend uh, the, the American Express card and they, they reimburse – what's that day called? I don't know. They got so many days yeah. to get it going. So uh, all right, I just I think Stan's got to come up with your special day for shopping. All right, we'll we'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> um, we wanted to touch, we wanted to grab you again. You hadn't been on for a while, but I wanted to grab you because I think you've got first of all a unique uh, and uh, passionate fan perspective, but you're also you are the proprietor of a place where there's an awful lot of sports fans that are in and out of there every day. What is the take that you're getting and that you personally have on the hirings of Mike Elias and then teaming him up with his uh, running mate down in Houston, Sig Maydahl? Well, I think uh, it's been very – I don't think it could be much more positive for any other selection. So I think uh, they picked the right person. I know – when several, there's probably a half a dozen, a dozen of us to talk and discuss things all the time around here. And when the list came out, he was on it when there was like four people. And then the list grew to about eight or nine, and he was still on it. And the majority of us all wanted him to be the one that's picked. So we're really excited that he was the one that was picked. We're talking with Steve Garland of Big Bats. and uh, Steve... Um, you and I are kind of old school. We're good friends with Boog Pal, and we're we're just good old baseball fans. How how important do you see the fact that both Elias appreciates the analytics and they got a top guy in analytics in Sig Madoff? Well, I just think, unfortunately, I mean, we we kind of look at it. They think the gut feeling is the old way, but it's really not. I think this is the future of baseball. We can see how Houston was so successful so quick by doing that. And all the winning teams are pretty much doing it. You could, even when the Dodgers were playing in the playoffs, they were discussing the analytics aspect, why he was playing that day and everything. So it's part of the game now. And I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And, you know, this is one of those things where when you're coming off a 115 loss season, and the fans are sitting there saying to themselves, okay, this went so bad, and this was maybe the toughest year of watching Oriole baseball. How did they get this thing turned around? And, you know, Peter Angelos has taken so much grief, you know, down through the years about the way this baseball club is run. Now all of a sudden that the Suns are uh, now running the show – uh, I, I, you know, if you're a fan and you're sitting out there, I, I just don't see how you can really knock this. I mean, the, the proof is going to be obviously in the pudding later on, but, uh, this is just a great first step as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, we, we always do a big job of getting people to go to opening day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, of course, we have been with buying tickets for a long time. So we usually get opening day tickets for the amount we need for our customers and over this past week, um, as the customer comes in, and, and several of them have come up and said, Steve, don't forget, I'm ready for opening day. So people, that super group of people are excited to start a new uh, a new season, a new uh, legacy, whatever you want to call it, of a new history in Oriole baseball. And uh, 
and maybe get back to where we were. The things is the names are going to be very much different, and we're going to have to learn everybody, but it's still going to be exciting, I think. Uh, at the press conference this past Monday, uh, Luis Angelos was asked a question regarding sort of how the fans should react to this, and you're bringing up how the fans are reacting for uh, a special day, opening day. Lewis, I thought, said something that was pretty telling. They asked the fans to invest with us at this time, yeah, and meaning like a difficult time. They know that they're not uh, on the verge of uh, a pennant. They're not on the verge of drawing 2.7 to 2.9 million fans. They are about as low in attendance as they've been since maybe the mid-'70s in uh, Memorial Stadium. Where they couldn't even sell out playoff games. Right. Uh, we're looking at a team that is in a rebuild in a lot of ways. Do you like that concept? Uh, and and what do you think the team needs to do now other than these two hires to impress upon fans that they want them to invest with the club? Well, I think the biggest thing that they're going to, and I think they are going to do it, as they make their plans and make their moves, I think they're going to be very open in explaining why they're doing things and what their goals is when they do things. And I think as the public and the, the, the average fan understands what they're trying to do, they're going to be on board for it and, and hope that what they're trying to do is going to work and they'll be watching what they're trying to do and see if it works. All right. Sounds good. We really appreciate your coming on with us today, Steve. And we wish uh, Big Bats nothing but the best. How was your Thanksgiving holiday? A good one? Thanksgiving was great. We had all four boys and the kids and grandkids, and we had like about 24 people at the house. It was a blast. All right. I know Special Olympics is near and dear to your heart. You play in our 100-block pool every year for them. Your son works for them. You uh, donate uh, food and and beverage and stuff for the the twenty four hour. What are they called? Super super, su- super plunge. plunge. You uh, you've done that for a long time, haven't you? Yes, we've done it pretty much about the, the year after it started. So I think it started like uh, I'm going to say this wrong. Let's say it started seventeen years ago. We've been doing it for sixteen years. All right. Well, we appreciate you doing it. You're a good man, Steve Garland. Thanks for joining us. Hey, well, listen, I hope everybody finishes their Thanksgiving weekend on a good note and uh, hope the holiday season is great for everybody. All right. How's the Bay Bridge looking this morning? Uh, Bay Bridge was pretty crazy on Tuesday night with everybody heading out for Thanksgiving early and, and yesterday, I mean, on Wednesday a little bit. But overall, it's been not bad. A lot of people love to go to the shore for Thanksgiving, don't they? Yeah, Ocean City's quite popular. Yeah. A lot of the resorts try to do a Thanksgiving package. You come down, spend three nights get a thanksgiving dinner and hang out and shop and know? and especially rifle season opens on thursday after I'm, I'm sorry the saturday after thanksgiving and a lot of people go deer hunting down on Easter. yeah Shore. there's oh, a really? lot we had a bunch of hunters in here the other day uh the bird season the goose and the duck and all that that yep. stopped and now it's deer season and in the in the bird season comes back in two weeks so yeah. uh, there's quite a bit of avid hunters over this way all right steve thanks very much for coming on Hey, last a lot, guys. We'll talk soon again. Take it easy, Stan. All right. There he goes. Big bats over the Bay Bridge. First exit, uh, Stevensville. You come up to that first exit, make a right, a left at the light, and it's about a quarter of a mile on the right. You'll see big bats. Great place. One of the only places I know in America 
that you can sit on a base. Yeah, that's exactly right. All around the bar. You can sit your ass on a base. That's right. All right. We're going to be joined by Todd Karpovich in just a second. And Todd has co-authored a book along with Joe Baker, and it's entitled No Limits. It's about the uh, very incredible career of basketball coach uh, Mark Amatucci, who coached at Calvert Hall twice mm-hmm. as head basketball coach. In between that, he was at Loyola College uh, over there on uh, Charles Street and Cold Spring Lane. Right. He was there for a few years. Uh, Mark Amatucci is going to join us. Uh, excuse me, Todd Karpovich is going to join us. He's written this book about Mark Amatucci, and he'll join us in just a minute. Todd uh, covering the Orioles beat for us right now. He does uh, everything. He covers the Orioles. He covers Navy. He covers He's going to be at Towson today. He covers uh, hockey and basketball on occasion down at yeah. uh, Capital One. I'll see him in my travels every now and then. Good good people, Todd Good people, Carpenter. yeah. He really is good people. <clears throat> Although he knows that Dave Ginsburg guy. Well, uh, you know, there's yeah. no accounting for, no- <laughs> for bad taste. No, uh, Todd uh, knows that, um, what's it called, the uh, UP? Uh, AP. AP, AP style, AP, yeah. uh, Associated Press style. He joins us now. Todd Karpovich, how are you, my friend? Doing well. How are you, Stan? I'm doing great. Hey, we want to give you a good plug. You're signing today, correct? Yes, at 11.30 to 1 o'clock at Greetings and Readings. Well, I just want you to know I don't need your autograph. So. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when you, I, I need your I need your autograph on the checks. All right, good enough. <laughs> yeah, for the books. That's what, that's what it's an autograph signing. You sign your check and buy a couple books. It's over there. Greetings and readings at the Avenue at White Marsh. Um, not the Avenue, the Hunt Valley. Hunt, Hunt Valley. Valley. I'm Hunt sorry. Valley. I say the Avenue yeah. at White Marsh. Hunt Valley. Uh, and tell me when you do the signings with Mark Amatucci. First of all, is Joe Baker going to be there? I, I don't know if Joe's going to be there or not. Okay, but do um, people equally want your autograph, or are they trying to get Tucci's autograph? More, more so Tucci, I'm sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> what uh, Before we t- turn uh, the corner and talk baseball, what are you getting on the early returns on how the book is doing and how it's being received? So far, so good. We sold a couple hundred copies in the first week. Um, going to have a story in the Towson Times. Um, of course, we did your show, which I'm grateful for. Yep. Um, Got a lot of good feedback on that, and then hopefully we'll sell some books today. Well, now, is this a hard copy book? Uh, can you get it in hard copy, right? It's a hard copy book. Well, because Stan, Stan's sitting here with a spiral copy. I got the spiral and it, and it copy. And it looks like a, a media guy, really. <laughs> well, that, that was the advance for the uh, for media. Oh, okay. So it kind of is a media guy. Yeah, they don't want to give the media the, the expensive Carp, books. Carp, yeah. I'm, I'm offended by this. I didn't get one. <laughs> Well, I'll get you one. I'll make sure I get you one. You should have been at the uh, the, the, the yeah. That was well, a really nice event at Calvert Hall, by the way. Yeah. No, that was a lot of fun. How many people did you end up with? A couple hundred? Yeah, a little, a little over a hundred. Yeah, that was really nice. Very nice, and it was nice to some of your writers, like Ginsburg. And I hate to compliment Ginsburg on anything. Rich, yeah, right. And Rich Dubroff, <laughs> uh, and uh, I think Scott Garceau. Mal- yeah, Scott Garceau was Molesky there. Unless he was not there. Okay, Drew Forrester was there. It was nice to see some of your folks uh, from Calvert Hall and and in your writing world um, yeah, a lot show of up and support. Too. A lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, let's turn our attention. Uh, what were your initial impressions of Monday's press conference and the subsequent signing of uh, uh, Mike Elias's uh, running mate in Houston, Sig Madoff? I, I was I was very impressed with Mike Elias. Um, very well spoken. Very well prepared. Very well educated. Um, 
seems like he already has a blueprint in place to sort of the sort of get the, get the Orioles back on track. Not just not just short term. I think he has a long term plan, where you know the Orioles can sustain some success success over a period of five or ten years. And then he goes out, you know, and he brings up you know almost his number one guy from Houston to come in and look at you know and really start you know building from the from the bottom up. Um, so I think I think you know I don't think people. Um, should expect you know immediate satisfaction here. It's going to take a little while because they they got to bring some talent in. But they they definitely have a they definitely have a definitive plan, which I don't think this franchise has had. For, you know, it's been it's been basically plugging holes for so long. Now I think they're actually going to put some structure in place. Well, as to you build know, something. as you know, I'm all about immediate satisfaction. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, from a fan's perspective on this, Carp, I just can't. Uh, I can't really think about uh, anything but the fans in this in that uh, you wind up after a 115 loss season to have, you know, the fans just kind of clamoring and wanting something positive to happen. I mean, this press conference this week, uh, you know, has got everybody uh, pretty excited about what the future holds. Oh, did you see the whole production? With, yeah. I mean, really, they had it in the Orioles clubhouse. You know, they had, like, a spotlight, um, and they had, it was catered. It was a really nice event. It was first class. Um, and it really it really showed that the, the franchise has turned the corner here. Right. And uh, when, you, when you stop to consider that these two guys also suffered through 100 lost seasons with the Houston Astros, and then before you know it, a few years later, they're looking at a World Series. Then they're looking at an American League Championship Series where they have some injuries and they don't quite get over the hump against the Red Sox. Uh, but again, to put all that together uh, takes, takes you know a lot of effort, plus knowing what you're doing. And it obviously appears these two guys, uh, I think the Angelos boys did a really nice job with this. I agree. And I think the Orioles have a good fan base. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, the Orioles have been here a long time. And people aren't expecting, you know, to win a World Series in 2019. But if they see some progress and they see some hustle and they see some transparency. And they, so see, they, some, and they see some progress. Yeah, exactly. A little and bit I of think, progress. You know, and the key for the Orioles in 2019 is you're going to have a lot of guys, you know, playing for their careers, trying to show – the Orioles that they can be, you know, they can be major league players over, over the course of a long term. So they're going to hustle. You know, we're not going to see guys, you know, jogging the first base. They're going to run. I think a new manager will come in. They'll play a little more small ball, you know, yep. and they'll play quicker. And they're not going to be a 115 loss team, I'll tell you that right now. Um, I, will, I will tell you my take on it, and I wrote it for PressBoxOnline.com, is I wrote a piece entitled something like John and Lewis Angelos from Boys to Men. We have called them the Angelos boys for like 20, you know, Peter's owned this team for 25 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've called them the boys, and they were boys when they when they came into this world, uh, into the baseball world, and uh, it was always kind of awkward for them to be on the stage when their dad still was actively running the team. Because yeah, they were we, in his shadow. Yeah, they were in his shadow, and Peter casts a huge shadow. I thought the big story out of this was how well they showed uh, that they intend to own this team and manage the ownership of the team a lot differently than their dad did. 
Yeah, I think they're going to be more involved. You, you can see that. I mean, the fact they're bringing in these guys, and um, they're both well-educated guys. You know, they're, they're smart guys. Um, and I think most of all, they want to they win. They want to win. And that's going to be key. I think I think that making the Orioles a winner is, is a big priority for them. It's, it's interesting you say that you think they'll be more involved. I agree with that, but let's clarify the term. They'll be more involved without overriding baseball people on a regular basis. Yeah, I think they're going to be more. There's going to be a lot more community outreach. Um, yep. You know, we might see some more bells and whistles at the stadium. You know, more concerts. Um, I think that more involved running the business of the Baltimore Orioles. You know, as opposed to worrying about you know nine innings. Yeah, and when you when you stop to think about some of the things that have been done in the past, uh, you know, in terms of you know maybe contracts and things of that nature, and you know, I, I think there's some common sense going to be, you know, shown now all of a sudden. Uh, and again, like Stan says, you're not overriding uh, the baseball people who you've hired and put in place to do the job. And I think that that's something that obviously was an issue before. It was. And I think, I think um, um, John Angelos' first quote was, we hire good people to let them do their jobs. I right. think that was the quote I used in my story, which is encouraging. And that's what, and that's what you got to do. Uh, you know what I mean? you gotta put, you got to put people in place to succeed. Well, you know, I know Mike Rizzo always talks about that down the road with the Nationals, you know. Uh, you know, and even even though I think sometimes there is a little bit of that interference from above. Right. But for the most part, Mike's baseball people are, are one of the reasons why that team has been as successful as it's been, you know, for the last six, seven years. Uh, is that from a scouting department standpoint, uh, straight on down the line, you know, with, with Mike, you know, being the head of it, uh, he's got great people working underneath him. And that's the key. You want to be competitive over the long term. Not necessarily, you know, you, you just want to have a winning record and be in the playoff hunt every year to create some excitement. You've you know? got to you gotta have it though, built in a way to be sustainable. That's the right. word exactly. I, I like to use. I, I asked a question which I thought at the time was very interesting and pointed, and I liked the answer I got. I asked him... I asked Mike Elias what an upgraded international system, you know, scouting system and, and going into that world would look like and in terms of how many people will it be, how many scouts will be in academy. And then I said, uh, and your predecessor made a bunch of trades in July and August to get more money. You didn't spend that on the, the couple big guys are you are you confident there's still ways to use that money wisely? And he was very adamant that that he felt he could hit the ground running. Um, didn't give me a specific answer as to how many people it would be, but said he felt that uh, it's about contacts down there on the ground, and they were confident that they could make good use of the money left. And i got to be honest with you. That's been something I'd love to talk to Ben Badler about uh, in the near future, about how many good players are down there. You hear from all the baseball experts on MLB trade rumors, uh, Todd, that it's almost like that Victor Victor Mesa, his brother, and the pitcher Gaston were like the last possible big shot guys they could get. Well, those are the guys that get 2 or $3 million. There's an awful lot of good players in the amateur draft that go in the eighth round, the tenth round. There's a lot of good baseball players around 
that you can get for 150 or 200,000 that may four years from now be very good major league players. Well, you know, there there are, but the other part of that, too, is from a pitching standpoint, and everybody knows that no matter what they do in the amateur, um, in the international market and with their amateur uh, draft, the bottom line is, you, you know, you, if you're going to have a, a successful organization, it's got to be pitching uh, to kind of lead the way. And I am a little upset from the fact that, that they let the pitcher get away. You know. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, the Orioles traded away some young pitchers too, yeah. unnecessarily. You know, um, they had some good guys coming up, but that's a, that's a thing. You you, you got to stock it, and you got things. You got to have that good coaching in the minor leagues as the kids come up. I mean, if the if the if a kid has all the raw tools, you know, and the natural talent, the speed, you know, the size, you know, he can develop into a good player, and that's that's going to be the key for the Orioles is developing these guys and making sure. You know, they stay healthy and they get better at each level. What, what impresses me so much about what the Astros were doing these last couple of years, I found them to be, and, and I'm not taking anything away from Buck Showalter's ability or Joe Girardi's ability to help players get better at the major league level, I found that the, the analytics department with the Astros was able to make suggestions, and we heard this, by the way, from Zach Britton, we Zach heard from, Britton. Yeah. from yeah. Kevin Gausman about how the analytics made them better, how useful they were. I saw the Astros making players better. Garrett Cole, in his career four-plus years with the Pirates, struck out eight guys per nine innings. Goes to Houston, they say the spin is the important thing, the spin rate he strikes out twelve guys per nine innings. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. huge difference. And, and looking at Chris Davis, yeah. get him back on track. You know what? They, they have to bring somebody in to work with him. They yeah. got to get him. His contract is just so big. Yeah. Got, and they and like Elias said at the press conference, they're, they're going to. Well, they have to get him back on track because they can't trade him. You I, know, right. so I got to be honest. I'm probably a, uh, an orchestra of one. I think the guy that could really help him is Eddie Murray. I really yeah. do. I think because I think Chris's head is so screwed up, I think Eddie could talk to him, spend a couple hours with him, and just get him to simplify things in his mind and get out of thinking about that he's letting people down, thinking about he's not living up to expectations, and just get out there and do what he did as well as anybody in the game for about three or four years. Yeah, and Buck's, Buck's, Buck, I, I, I like Buck too, I, I respected Buck, but Buck's approach really was leave guys alone, let them work their way out of it. And I, I tell you, Chris Davis, well, he was on the island last year. Yeah. You know, he, he needed somebody to come in, you know, and talk to him and kind of help him get, help him along. Cause he, he, had, he looked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. Well, he did, he did respond when Brady had that eight days with, you know, that he spent yeah, pretty yeah. close with him. So I think you give... A guy like, whether it's Eddie Murray or Rafael Palmero or just a new hitting coach when they sign one, I think I think he needs an ally, uh, and I think he'll be more open to, to working on some things. And really, I think what he did is known in the world as okie-dokie. I think he okie-dokied uh, Scott Coolbaugh and Buck mm-hmm. for about a year. Uh, you know, and uh, let's let's be honest, guys. This is now he's had three years since he signed that contract. And it yep. all started with his signature going on that contract. You can't tell me that an athlete as good as Chris Davis suddenly just lost it. 
it was all in between the ears. Right. And yeah, it's all between the ears. I agree. Uh, you know what? Another thing that came out of this press conference that I was very happy to hear while I was watching it is the fact that they are going to make a concerted effort now to teach the game to the people in the minor leagues at all levels the, same the exact way. same way. That's the that, key. And yeah, that's that has been something that has been sorely lacking with this organization Buck tried it, for a long not, time. Yeah, Buck tried it, but it's not easy to do. It's not it's easy not. to do. And I'm not saying, I mean, 30 years, 40 years have passed, obviously, since we've known the quote-unquote Oriole way. But it's very important to have that stability and that uniformity throughout the system that when you get to the big league level, you, you, everything, you know what's expected of you. You know what's expected. Exactly right. That's exactly right. So we're, yeah, talking, we're talking with Todd Karpovich. We want to remind folks, again, Todd comes on with us. He's covering the Orioles for us right now and uh, has since our friend Mr. Dubroff went over to run BaltimoreBaseball.com. Uh, he's got a book, so we have him on to talk baseball, but he's got a book that's entitled No Limits. It's written by Todd Karpovic and Joe Baker, and it's about Mark Amatucci. Uh, does, it, does it read like it's from Mark's voice? Is this Mark's book, or is this Todd and Joe writing about well, Mark it's, Amatucci? It's, it's, it's Carpo. Uh, Putting yeah. words in Amatucci's mouth, and <laughs> I, I've already—it's written in the third person. Joe Baker was the historian. Okay. Joe, Joe didn't do much writing. Joe Joe kept every article, every uh, scorebook, you know, every reference that we use. He kind of—he kind of sort of was a project manager, kept us on track. So Mark and I would sit down, you know, two, two, three times a week. He talked, and I would, you know, I would just. <clears throat> I would write off, off, you know, what he said off his interviews and go back into Joe Baker's archives and kind of, you know, and, I'll, I'll plug in the holes. And the reason I'm plugging the book here is we're going to let Todd get out of here because he's got a signing come up at 1130 at Greetings and Readings in the Hunt Valley uh, Mall. Uh, the Greetings and Readings, they do a lot of great book signings. This time he John Eisenberg will be there today. John Eisenberg signing the league will be there. Yeah. I know Jack Gilden has a book out, and I think he's – been there or will be there shortly. Uh, so he does a lot of good stuff with the local books and the national books. But this is a real good, uh, interesting book. No limits uh, about Mark Amatucci, written by um, by Todd Karpovich and Joe Baker. Before we let you go, tell us one really good anecdote from the book that uh, sort of sums up what uh, Mark Amatucci is like. I got it. I have a good one for you. Uh, Coward Hall's playing. Um Dunbar at the sold out Towson Center. Right. And Calvin Hall erased a nine point lead in, in like thirty seconds. I thought the game was over. Um Dell Edwards said you don't walk out on Calvin Hall. But while there's a timeout, a chair got thrown across the court at the Towson Center from Dunbar's bench. And of course the referees call a technical and the, the everyone thought the culprit was Bob Wade, who denied you through the chair and it was pandemonium. Um, so I had to try you know, I was talking to all the former reporters, and who threw the chair, did he throw the chair, and uh, Bill Glauber, who used to write for The Sun, right. uh, he's in Milwaukee now, so it was too much bedlam, but Jerry Jackson, was, uh, who's a, a high school sports editor at the Baltimore Sun now, uh, was a student intern for Towson Sports Information Department, I was doing stats, and he said he saw him throw the chair, <laughs> there it was, it's in the book. <laughs> who threw the chair? 
Bob Wade. Oh, Bob Wade did throw the chair. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is a great yeah, story. Great story. All right, Todd, many thanks for coming on with us, and good luck with the book signing today, 1130 to 1 at Greetings and Readings. Yes, thank you, guys. All right. Always a pleasure to have you on. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. When we get back, we're going to make our connection with Mike Shallon of the um, New Hampshire Union Leader. But right now, i got to tell you, on this Saturday, if you want Chick-fil-A on Sundays, you got to act today with Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays. You can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays, perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. But remember, you got to stop by today to have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. So I'm what you'd call a regular at Chick-fil-A. I go a lot. And if you are too, then join the club, the Chick-fil-A One Club. When you get food, you get points. And when you get points, you earn free stuff, like more food. Breakfast, for example. Yep, breakfast. There's an egg white grill on a multi-grain muffin with cheese that's not only delicious and healthy, but it now earns you points. Buy anything, get points. Order through your Chick-fil-A app, get points. You're going to Chick-fil-A anyway. Why not get free stuff for your efforts? Join Chick-fil-A One on online or through your app and while i've got your attention please remember chick-fil-a catering it's a real live crowd pleaser in fact order twice as much as you think you'll need trust me go see steve at chick-fil-a nottingham square 5198 campbell boulevard tell him i sent you if you need help downloading your app don't ask steve but he'll know someone who can help chick-fil-a one get food earn more free food respect it's more than a word in the u.s army it is one of our core values earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post-game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Pressbox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, post-game. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Sports. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg profiles six-time Pro Bowler Marshall Yanda, an NFL star so unlikely he still drives a beat-up old pickup truck. Plus, our annual college basketball preview as we break down all of the Division I men's and women's hoops teams in the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
This is former Trip AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from I the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. What's up? Lunch for me. And we are back on the battle round, about to make our connections with Mike Shallon, who's a very special guest. And speaking of specials, did you see what I yeah, did there, Yeah, I saw it. Nobody. Ma- master no- of the segue. There you go. Nobody knows the specials and at the Costas Inn when, like when you. When Stan's car breaks down, he's always on his segue. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Monday night, I know, yeah. is crab cake night. Well, that's only because I told you. Right. <laughs> and Tuesday night. Is, is rib, is rib night. night, yeah, and that's only because you told me, right? And then Wednesday you night, you didn't is, have to tell me. Well, Wednesday night, night is steak night. Thursday is lobster night. I knew and, that because uh, you told me. Just uh, a, a great place to go. Forty one hundred North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn. They treat you like family, and this is more important than anything now because of the holiday season. You can have crab cakes shipped. To anywhere That's in the country. That's a great point. Great point. And uh, they will do it for you. And uh, I sent a What's couple. the best way to get in touch with them? The well, phone call, number, 410-477-1975? Exactly. Talk to Pete. They'll take your order as to where you want to send the crab cakes and the crabs, too. Yeah. You mean Mike Shallon could order crab crab cakes up yeah. in Boston? Yeah, because he never sends us lobsters. Right, so. of course <laughs> not. Of course not. And I don't blame him. Uh, joining us now, that is the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Joining us right now is Mike Shallon, from, uh, originally from New York, but been in Boston a number of years. How are you, Mike? How was your Thanksgiving with your family? Well, first of all, I don't have crabs. Second of all... Um, well, we're we're thankful. We're, you thank, we're, we're thankful, thankful you don't have crabs. Yes. 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 Uh, Thanksgiving with the family was very very nice. Thank you very much. Right. How's that little one? Here. How's that grandchild? Oh, uh, we got. Uh, well, we had we had two of the three here yesterday, ah. and um, the little girl is just um, she's just magnificent. She's really she's it's 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 our first little girl, so we're. Uh, She's getting she's getting the spoil treatment. Could you have ever imagined? I mean, you, did you imagine when you were a parent how special grandparenting would be? Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I you know I I know I've always loved kids, and there is there is a difference when you're a grandparent. You know when you can when things when things go south, how quickly you can hand them back to their parents. You know, which is always. <laughs> That's right. That's, that's, nice. that's the old adage. <laughs> I love kids as long as they're not my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and um, yeah, it's 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 kind of neat. But the only the only problem is, that comes along with it is your advanced age. <laughs> I wouldn't, have, you know. Yeah. I think Dwight Evans was a grandfather at thirty four years old. I wouldn't have minded that as much as this. Wow! So, um, wow! Um, <laughs> Dwight Evans was a grandparent at thirty four. I believe it was 34, 35. Loretta Lynn was a grandmother at 30 or 31, I think. Wow. I you remember may, the story. 
You mentioned Dewey Evans. I got to tell you, all the years I was growing up watching baseball, to me, mm-hmm. and I know I watched Jesse Barfield play, I watched Dwight Evans play, sure. saw Dave Parker. Dwight Evans, to me, had the best arm of any right fielder I ever saw play. Well, I got a, I just, I, he had a great arm, but you brought up Dave Parker. Yeah, and... I know. <laughs> I still think, for me, Clemente had the best arm. Mm-hmm. K-Line, Clemente. Was, K-Line was real good, but nobody to me was Clemente. Uh, Parker had as strong an arm as Clemente. I don't think he was as accurate as Clemente. Right. Yeah. And Clemente had the ability to do it underhand and all kinds of weird ways. But and now he... you've watched Betts for a couple of years. Forget just arm. He's the best right fielder you ever seen in Boston? No. No, I'm not I'm not ready to say he was better than Dewey yet. But really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, Dewey was special. Um and this kid is special. This kid's much more of an athlete than than Dewey ever was, I think, as far as speed and stuff. But um this kid can you know, he he can't he does no he does nothing poorly, including, you know, bowling and feeding the homeless and yep. you know, whatever. I mean it's just uh He's an amazing, amazing kid, and they need to do whatever they, oh. whatever's necessary to keep him here for his entire career. I think it's just because he gets it. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he gets yeah. all aspects of it, Mike. He does. He does, and he's, you know, um, he's just, he's a, you know, he's, you know, they talk about 100%, he's a 1,000%. Yeah. Everything he does is good. We're talking with Mike Shallon. He's a uh, journalist, uh, columnist, excuse me, for the New Hampshire Union yeah, leader. Watch that word, journalist. Yeah, and yeah, he did well. not and he did and he did not get the job at Forbes. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we no. found out we found out who did though. <laughs> yeah. We had John Delcos on two weeks ago. He got a job at Forbes. Well good for him. Yeah. I haven't talked to John in a while. I'm yep. very happy to hear that. Yep. So if he can get a job at Forbes, Craig and I were thinking we yeah, could we're... probably get jobs there. At Forbes. No, no, John, John will take care of it. All right. Hey, Mike, um, up in Boston, the, the the biggest news that hasn't been gigantic was that, uh, Dave Dombrowski didn't waste any time, got Steve Pierce on a one-year contract. We couldn't be more thrilled for Steve Pierce. He's really a solid soldier on that team, isn't he? Well, it's a perfect, uh, perfect setup. They gave him a year with uh, Mitch Moreland having his second year. Right. Uh, so they'll both be on. They'll both be on one-year contracts as a platoon next year, and and uh, obviously Pierce will 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 get some other time. But he's here to hit left-handed pitchers, and you know he found not only has he been a Red Sox fan his whole life, but he also found the ultimate rocking chair for a guy like him who hits lefties so well to be to be in the middle of that group. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody goes into the game saying we can't let Steve Pierce beat us. And then what happens is Steve Pierce beats him. You know, and and he he was just terrific here. I was a little surprised that he only got one year. Yeah, uh, I think he could have gotten two from somebody else. But let's uh, let's let's rewind the tape and and go back to the perception of Steve Pierce in June. Mm-hmm. And the perception when they got him here was. Oh boy, he completed his tour of the American League East. This ought to be good, you know. Right. And right. maybe he can contribute something. Well, we saw what he contributed, so uh, you know, I hope he scuffles along on six point two five million or whatever it is, and and just enjoys being where he is. And I'm sure if he has another good year, they'll bring him back for another year. 
We're talking with Mike Shallon. Mike, um, getting back to the MVP, I'm not going to take anything at all away from Mookie Betts, uh, although I can't remember an MVP, uh, offensive-minded MVP, that drove in 80 runs. But I'm, but I'm not saying he's not worthy of it. Were you shocked, though, that J.D. wasn't part of the final three? Yes. Yeah, J.D. got caught in a um, kind of a web here, um, uh, an awards web, if you will. He, he was the D.H. too much to be considered an MVP by many people. Right. He finished fourth. He was given the silver slugger at two different positions, the first guy ever to win that, which means he played enough to be considered a right fielder. Then the the DH award came along and he didn't and he didn't DH enough to be the DH of the year. Right. Which uh, Chris Davis got got it. Um the Chris yeah, Davis with yeah. a K. The yeah. Chris yeah. Davis with, with a K. With a K. Certainly yes. the yeah the, the anti Oriole <laughs> Chris Davis. <Yeah. laughs> um but he he got he, you know there was a couple of years ago where I thought Ortiz should have been in the mix and he was sixth mm-hmm. because people just don't look at the DH as a position yep. you know and, and uh, it's unfortunate uh, but you know he's got the ring you know and, and he had so much see, see people one, one thing that that you know all this war and all this kind of all these these numbers don't tell you is his the effect on the rest of the team and and forget the fact that not only does he work with everybody else in the team because the guy is a maniacal hitter he he videotapes his batting practice and, and analyzes his bp but he he his effect in the order you know mookie uh, the, the one year without the without the ortiz effect if you yep, will yep. mookie hit 264 mm-hmm and he did drive in 100 runs uh, and had a decent year. The Red Sox had a decent year. They went from being a good team to being a great team. And the only major change was what? Adding J.D. Martinez. D. Martinez. Yep. yep. And, and the way we grew up, the way we grew up, Mike Trout would not be allowed to be in the MVP um, voting. I'm not saying he wasn't the best player, even mm-hmm. though he drove in 78 runs. But MVP meant most valuable player. Yep. And when you got a guy like, like what, where would the Angels have been without Trout? Well, they weren't anywhere with Trout. Right. It's not mm-hmm. his fault. But in the in the old days, if you will, the only way you won an MVP is if there wasn't an, an either either you had the absolute killer year or there wasn't another legitimate candidate. If you remember Andre Dawson won it one year with the last place Cubs. Yep. Well. In our day, if you will, and I hate to sound like get off my lawn, but the MVP, most valuable player, not player of the year, most right. valuable player who helped his team win. Yeah, and, Cal, and Cal, that, Rip, Cal Ripken won an MVP because he had a monster season in his second 91. one in 91, and Ernie Banks yep. won two years in a yep. row on a last-place club. Yeah, and I, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that uh, when, when people who are voting for these things take that into consideration. Let me ask you this. When we're talking about voting, uh, the Hall of Fame ballots came out this week. Uh, what do you, what do you, what's your early take on what the ballot looks like? Well, the biggest, the biggest story is, uh, I'm hoping my ballot is out in, in my mailbox, um, but the biggest 
uh, story this year is going to be whether or not Mariano gets 100% of the vote. Right, exactly. And you, you, would agree, you would agree he's deserving of that, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. But, but so was Ken Griffey, and yeah. so was Tom Seaver. And, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. you've got the, and the thing is that the, one, of the, one of the goals was um, they eliminated a lot of the older voters who are no longer connected to the game. Um, I think part of that down deep was to to do away with stuff like this. You know, old timers saying, "Well, if you know, if Babe Ruth wasn't, you 100%. know, if, if Willie Mays wasn't, you know, how can how can Mariano Rivera be hundred percent?" But I want to talk. I'd, I'd love to talk to the person who doesn't vote for him and get and get the reasoning for it. I really would. But uh, you know, I, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that it's, it's not a hundred percent. If it is, I'll be very pleasantly surprised. I would think Jeter too falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think so. But, mm, not, um, not as clear to me uh, that he's a hundred percenter. Mariano is a, a no brainer hundred percenter. You know. Well, it's 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 funny. Like you, you know, you say you say a hundred percenter, but but what that translates to is somebody has to sit down with his or her ballot and say he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I hear you on that. Hey, and, or or, yeah. or the thing is too, you got people who just refuse to vote for anybody the for, for the first time, so no, to make sure that nobody's hundred percent. But I think the pressure the pressure's on this year. This is going to be a real test. Craig and I are big fans of a guy who pitched uh, the first ten or eleven years of his career here in Baltimore. Craig's a good mm-hmm. friend of Mike Mussina's. I'm not a friend of his, but I think he was a first ballot in my estimation. Uh, I know it's his fifth time around now. Do you think this year he gets in? The trending seems to be right. Well, uh, yeah, and it was 63%, 63.5% last, last year. year. So I'm thinking if it's not this year, it's probably the year after. That's a tough jump, yeah. 635 uh, to 75 is a big jump. Um, you know, I was, I was watching Chris Russo last week, and he thinks you have to, you have to lump um, Eusena and Schilling together. That they're, that they're very similar. That you vote for you vote for both, or you vote for none. Um, I have voted. I have voted for Schilling, except for my my one year. I suspended him for one year for collecting Nazi memorabilia. <laughs> right. Uh, I made it clear that that was a one year ban, and uh-huh. I, I do I do believe he belongs. Um, the postseason thing for for Schilling is just overwhelming for me. And, you know, uh, I came around on Messina, you know, but the thing is that the, the ballot these days is so crowded. And, and for those of us who are voting for Clemens and Bonds, um, it, you know, you, you, at some point you run out of picks because you're only allowed 10. You know, I, 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 there, was a, there was a day where I could see myself voting for one or two, but it, these, these, are, these are great players, you know, and they, and they, and they should be rewarded. I would urge anybody that's either a non-Mucina voter or on the fence to look at his record and look at Tom Glavin's record. And mm-hmm. granted, Glavin has the numbers because of the longevity, but look at him and put the context that Mike Mucina pitched in the American League only, DH East. League, in the steroid era, the heart of the steroid era, and reflect on his numbers versus Glavin's. It's... It's, and the east, it, and the eastern uh, in the eastern east, division, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, no, there's a lot of guys you can compare it to favorably. He's a better pitcher than Phil Necro. Yep. You know, I mean, if you want to, uh, he's he's certainly as good as Don Sutton was. Yeah. Uh, if you go back through the years, Hoyt Wilhelm. I mean, uh, there's. It's it, it, you can't vote that way. I, I didn't way. have and to you, go back to those old time, those guys that we are yeah. debatable. And it's, I look at Mussina and his numbers and put them in the context of steroid era, DH, and in the American League East. And and there's took, no question. And he pitched for a, a pretty bad team for most of his career. And it took Peoria. it took Sutton 19 years to, to get, get in. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, before we before we let you go, I wanted to ask you a little bit of an off the road question. Uh, you're up there in Boston. Uh, the Pawtucket Red Sox have played what 90 years in Rhode Island, which is probably 40 miles away from Boston, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they're going to move in 2021 to Worcester, Massachusetts. Is this a, a sort of a big story? Given Lucchino uh, being the the lead owner of the the soon to be Worcester team, um, is this a big story, or am I making something a mountain out of a mountain? No, I think I think it's a big story. I think that um, this brings us back to Mister Schilling again, because yep. the the state of Rhode Island lost a lot of money on his video game mm-hmm. package thing, whatever that was. Right. Which somebody told me, by the way, that that's a very good video game, but that's I'm not a video person, right. but. Um, the state couldn't afford to give him any money because they were they were still smarting over what happened with Schilling. Wow! And so you know, Larry's going to make the best deal he can make. Uh, they're going to move. Uh, somebody said that there's a team in Batavia, in New York, that's going to wind up in in, in Pawtucket. Okay. Um, so there will be baseball at McCoy Stadium. It just won't be AAA baseball. Um, and and they're they're building this beautiful new stadium for them in Worcester, you know, and 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 that's a that's a that's a city that's that's uh, trying to revive itself, and and certainly this this will not hurt that situation. But I think this I think if you needed one one reason why they're no longer in put or they'll no longer be in Pawtucket, I think you have to go back to the fact that the state wouldn't give them any money. Interesting. Well, I knew that, but it, but it's interesting. I didn't know it still had to do with how smarting they are from the uh, shilling uh, mm-hmm. uh, mistake. Uh, we appreciate your coming on. We could always have you on for longer, but really appreciate the time and hope the holiday season is great for you. Tell uh, our fans here in Baltimore, uh, because we've got Facebook Live and on the Internet, uh, you know, listening, that aren't just Baltimore fans, that might be Red Sox fans, Tell them about your book and how they can get it. Well, the hometown team is uh, photographer Steve Babineau's four decades of shooting the Red Sox in Fenway Park. It's um, it's a coffee table type book, and it's uh, filled with 500 or so pictures that uh, done by Steve, and and uh, the writing is done by yours truly. I, I got to interview a lot of guys that I I uh, covered on my in my beat days, if you will, and and um, uh, forwards by Dennis Eckersley and Dwight Evans. That's and cool. Just, Very it's, cool. It's it's a it's a beautiful beautiful book. Just don't pay any attention to the writing. It's all about the pictures. <laughs> and, uh, and and you could and you could buy it on Amazon and, and uh, BarnesandNoble.com, I guess. And, 
And what's you know, the what's your approximate price tag? I know it varies. Well, it's, the, the price of the book is thirty five, but I think you can get it on Amazon for twenty six or twenty five. All right, this is great. Five hundred pictures in that book, and for me, a guy who likes to read but can't read without pictures. <laughs> <laughs> This is good, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, I bought it for the, I bought it for the article. <laughs> Hometown team, Steve Abano, the pictures by and the words by Mike Shallon. Mike, always a pleasure to have you on. All right, guys. You have a great holiday. Thank you. You too. All right. We're going to turn around without a break. And uh, I'll tell you what. We'll give a break while she's dialing up Steve Sparks. Okay. Let's talk about Big Bats. All right. Big Bats. And you can find them over on the Eastern Shore. Uh, cross the Bay Bridge, head east, and then right as soon as you get across the Bay Bridge, the first exit, Stevensville, you go up the ramp and you'll come to a stoplight, take a left, and then it's about a quarter of a mile down the way on the right side. Big Bats, great food, great bar food. Uh, you can go in and watch the games, uh, baseball, basketball, hockey, Wizards, of course, now in full swing, the Capitals. They had a win last night. They'll be in New York uh, this afternoon at 2. So you could go buy Big Bats today and today watch that and game. Watch, and watch, and the, watch the Wizards game tonight. And watch the Wizards and game tonight. And eat in between. But even more importantly, Ohio State and Michigan at 12 noon. That's a good Penn one. Penn State and Maryland at 3.30. And then, uh, you know, the Iron Bowl is on today. Yep. Alabama, Auburn. Got a lot of great college football. All right, and you can watch it all at Big Bats, located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. It's Ken Island's original sports bar. Tell Steve Garland that Stan the Fan and Craig Heiss sent you. All right, spinning over back to baseball. We're joined now by former Major League pitcher, and uh, he was a pretty good pitcher. And if I'm not mistaken, he threw uh, the knuckleball. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, Houston Astros broadcaster Steve Sparks. And Steve... Am I right? You're one of the last knuckleballers. Yeah, there hasn't been too many since uh, Tim Wakefield and I were the only two in the major leagues for for a little while, and then R.A. Dickey, 2012, won the Cy Young Award. But and Steve Wright Ra- down and now. Stephen Rice Steve Ra- in and out of the rotation with uh, with Boston, and uh, there might be one or two sprinkled around in the minor leagues. But uh, this seems like it goes in cycles. You know when. Uh, Somebody does something real good, you'll start to see an influx of guys starting to throw that pitch again. But uh, I don't think there hasn't been a season for about 70, 80 years where there hasn't been at least one knuckleballer in the league. Well, it's one of those things where you, you, you're around the game a lot and you ask people what's the best approach to hitting a knuckleball, and they always say, wait for it to stop knuckling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people say uh, when you see it high, let it fly. When, it, when it's low, let it go. Right. Uh, there's some theories, but my theory, and I'll stick to this all day long, and I've talked to other guys, is get on top of home plate, kind of take away that freedom from the pitcher. He doesn't want to hit you. And to get him to try to steer the ball than, rather than just let it go, I think is your best option to see maybe a worse knuckleball. Yeah, because if you get hit by a knuckleball, it's not going to hurt a whole lot. <laughs> not supposed to. <laughs> well, How did you come to throw the knuckleball? You know what, I, I was in the minor leagues for about six or seven years at one point with the Milwaukee Brewers, the team I got drafted by, and I was having trouble getting out of double A. My, my, my stuff was marginal, and they just thought I was a good candidate to possibly throw one. I hadn't thrown one before. And who taught but, you? Uh, and who taught you? You know what, it was a little bit of trial and error, and then the biggest jump in, in my uh, advancement came when I got a chance to meet Tom Candiotti. I, I went there uh-huh. with six pages of questions. 
And I took that information he gave me and went to winter ball in Mexico and threw that pitch every single pitch. I threw it on 3-0. and I threw it on 3-2. and Any situation, I threw that pitch. And once I really committed to that pitch and didn't kind of fall back to my cutter or my fastball or anything else, when I really committed to it that winter, that's when I really started to make some big leaps. We're talking with Steve Sparks. He's a broadcaster with the Houston Astros. So let me ask you a question as a segue into the topic of Mike Elias and Sig Meidel um, coming to Baltimore. What would they say if, uh, say, Andrew Kashner came to them and said, hey, I'm thinking about trying a knuckleball, or maybe not Kashner, but somebody at the double or triple A level. Would they be in favor of trying that, or would – the analytics approach that Sig is so uh, knowledgeable in yeah. tell tell you whether it could work or not. Well, Sig is fascinated by it. I think he thinks there's a lot of merit to uh, having a pitcher with such a unique and distinctive style to match up against other teams. And you got to remember, as far as a knuckleballer, a lot of times their niche is to eat up a lot of innings. Yep. And when you eat up a lot of innings, whether you're a starter or a long reliever, whatever the case may be, you're making everybody else better. And Verlander made that, that case uh, before the Cy Young Award voting saying, you know what, I make, you know, by giving my bullpen rest, I make everybody else that's a little bit better mm-hmm. the next two or three days because our bullpen's pressured because I, I, I get deeper into the ball games than a lot of people. So I feel like that's where the value of a, a good knuckleballer lies. And Sig, and Sig Meidel and I have had plenty of conversations and the one thing that I've noticed between knuckleballers and maybe your everyday pitcher or conventional pitcher is that the temperament has to be much more laid back than those other guys. You have to be very calm, very relaxed. When you, when you get a chance to meet the Nico brothers or Charlie Huff, Tom Candiotti, uh, all those guys uh, throughout the years that have really excelled with that pitch, they were very laid back and relaxed. You've got to be that way to be able to throw that pitch when the pressure is mounting. Steve, is it a pitch, and I, and I certainly didn't have you on with the idea of talking about knuckleballs, but I couldn't help it. Is it a pitch that you that only is going to be appropriate for someone like yourself when they're having trouble getting to the next level, or do you think it could be used almost like how the Astros seem to change Verlander, Garrett Cole and Ryan Presley that could be proactive to take a good pitcher uh, and and turn him into a knuckleballer. I guess yeah. I'm answering my own question because you have it's to commit to it. You have to commit to it, it, though. You do have to commit to it. I, I think that, you know, for the knuckleball, you want to stay behind that pitch. And as a conventional pitcher, you typically want to throw on a downhill plane. Though. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. They love to throw the four-seam fastball above the belt, so you stay behind that pitch a little bit longer. But to go back and forth between mechanics, between the knuckleball and a good downhill pitch, it's totally different. So you're going to have to change your mechanics over and over again. Okay. And I think for the pitcher to, to really commit to the knuckleball, you've got to throw it at least 75%, 80% to really get locked into those mechanics because it's more so mechanical pitch than any other pitch. Steve, I got one more for you before we get to the uh, uh, hiring of Mike Elias and also Sigma Mydell uh, up here in Baltimore to try to turn this uh, franchise around a little bit. In in terms of the knuckleball, uh, from your playing days as opposed to what I saw growing up, 
Could, could you do in your day, and, and even what we see today with some of the guys who throw it, could, could guys go on two days rest? I mean, I saw Wilbur Wood yeah. when I was a kid pitch in both ends of a doubleheader and also pitch right. on two days rest. Right, yeah, you can. And I think if you do it over and over and over again, then it might catch up with you a little bit. But the, the biggest thing about it, and I would come back on a lot of short days rest or even throw in between starts out of the bullpen uh, when I first got to the big leagues just out of necessity with Milwaukee. But I think the thing you don't have to rely on when you come back early is velocity. So as long as you're not injured or anything like that, it's almost just like throwing a side bullpen. And because you're not relying on velocity, it all becomes relative. And you're trying to change speeds with that knuckleball as much as you can, but you've got one comfortable speed, and then you're just going back and forth from that. But uh, it's not like you're trying to sneak a fastball by anybody or, or, or anything like that. When you do throw a fastball, you're not looking for a tank. You want somebody to put it in play, and it's usually somebody who can't take you deep. You know, it's funny, uh, comparing a knuckleball to a submariner, when I went to Orioles Fantasy Camp in 1992, uh, I went as a submarine pitcher. And, oh, yeah. and Grant Jackson pitch, picked me, and he said, when yeah. I saw you doing that, he said, I knew even in a league like this, it gave me an advantage because you wouldn't have a sore arm. Right, uh, yeah, you can pitch more you often. You can pitch more often. Is it the same case with a knuckleballer because he's not putting quite the stress on the shoulder? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's the case. In, in You know, if you're somebody like me that made the conversion from a conventional pitcher to a knuckleballer, one of the things you learn, and it took me two or three years to learn, is for your fastball, you don't want to throw it as hard as you can because it tips off the hitter to, to know that it's a different pitch. Mm-hmm. So I learned to back off. Instead of throwing it 87, 88 miles per hour, I learned to throw it 79, 80 miles per hour, and it made it look like I was still throwing a, a knuckleball because I was nice and relaxed, and uh-huh. then you're just trying to locate that pitch. But it's still uh, more effective because you're not tipping off the hitter to, to know that it's a different pitch. And because you're doing that, it's less stress on your own. Steve, what about the two guys that were hired to handle this ball club now? 115 lost season. You bring in Mike, you bring in Sig, and uh, all of a sudden, for a fan base who was just, just totally disgusted by what happened last year, after yeah. this press conference this this week, uh, the optimism like, like is running unbelievable pretty here, darn yeah. high right now. Yeah, he's very impressive. I'm talking about Mike, and you guys are one for two in saying Sig's last name correctly. So it's Sig Dell, like a Dell computer. Right. Okay, so the both of those hires are, are just I, – I couldn't imagine a team that's in the situation that Baltimore's in making better hires. I've gotten a chance to know both of them pretty well the last six, seven years. And they're very organized. They're very sharp. They, they've seen this plan come to fruition. They know what to do. There's going to be mistakes along the way. They understand that. Uh, did, we, did we lose Steve Sparks? Sounds like we lost. Uh, you Steve, go. you there? Am I there? Can yep, you hear we me? lost you there. Yeah, we lost you for 20 a second. seconds. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, I'll back up just a little bit. But just, just knowing that you have two brilliant guys in a position to give the team clear focus and direction, I think is it's got to be exciting for the Baltimore fan base. And I've seen that place rock, and we all know what it's like when, it, when baseball is good in Baltimore. It's phenomenal. It's one of the best cities 
uh, in the league. And I think in two or three years, and hey, I'll tell you something else. One thing that Jeff Luno, the Astros general manager, did, he was crazy transparent about what they were going to do. And, and we all knew it was going to be ugly. It doesn't make it any less mm-hmm. painful, but for a year or two or, or maybe three, things aren't going to look really pretty, but they're going to stick to their guns, and they've got a plan in place. And I'm telling you, it's going to, it's going to come to fruition. They're smart. They're savvy. They know what to look for. Here's one thing that I kind of saw a little bit later, even when they were being so transparent. They're trading off Lance Berkman. They're trading off Roy Oswalt. They're trading Hunter Pence. And some of the guys you get back, they really don't come back to, to help you, you know, or, or do this tur- turnaround thing. Now, a couple of those guys might, might pan out, and they may help you win some games from time to time. But once the team gets really good, one thing I noticed is that the Astros did. Instead of investing in the major league team at the, at the wrong time, they invested in their analytics. They invested money into the process of, of identifying players that can help you win a championship. How can we take this guy from where he is right now and make him a stud? They can do that. And they, they, they spend money in development. It's all about that pipeline, the farm system coming up to, to keep this thing sustained for eight or ten years. And uh, I know Baltimore's going to do it. I would argue that uh, I say bring them on because uh, I would argue it can't get any worse than it was last year. <laughs> it's because you don't know which way you're going. Yeah. 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 You know, you really, you really gotta to narrow things down. It's gonna vacillate from time to time. That's okay, but you gotta, you, you can't sell the fans uh, on something that's not real because they're gonna see right through it. And these guys are real. Uh, they're smart, uh, engaging. The press conference I saw it with Mike uh, on MLB Network the other day, and. Uh, comes across great. I mean, that's him. He's just genuine, smart. He's affable. Uh, he'll be available. He knows what to do, and uh, uh, he's got the energy and passion to, to, to see it through. Steve Sparks is our guest. He's on the Houston Astros broadcast team. We'll keep him just a couple more minutes. Steve, I asked a question about what the, the, the new energy toward international scouting would look like, and at the tail end of that question, I said – your predecessor made several trades that increased the Orioles' international bonus slot money, which is not renewable every year. So the Orioles are sitting with four and a half to five million dollars in bonus slot money internationally, and everybody says that once Victor Victor Mesa signed and Gaston signed, and we missed them, well, that money's going to waste. I maintain that there's an awful lot of good players in the Dominican, Cuba, and Latin America. And he seemed to agree with me and said there'll be there'll be plenty of opportunities to use that money. They are, and he he was great with the amateur draft identifying talent, and it's just not by what you see with your eyes. And I've, I mean, even as a kind of a crusty guy that played professionally for 19 years, you always want to revert back to what you really know and use your eyes. But what they're let me give you an example. I remember as a starting pitcher in the minor leagues, we were in the stands the day before and the day after we started to chart pitches because that was just part of our job mm-hmm. as a starting pitcher. And we would always see guys throwing 85 miles per hour, belt high. There was always one or two of those guys on your team. 
and it would he would blow it right by guys. And if a person like me was to throw that pitch, it would be over the fence. They would knock it out of the ballpark. What I realize today now is is that spin rate really matters because it's an optical illusion to a hitter when it's uh, different from the, the standard. When it deviates from the standard of what typically a, a, a pitcher able, is able to do, when the revolutions are faster, it's an optical illusion. And they recognize that. So maybe that 85-mile-per-hour fastball looks like 90-91 just because it spins faster. They can recognize that. When they recognize that a certain player can spin the ball, whether it's a slider, curveball, fastball, good example, Colin McHugh, they got him off in waivers, never won a game as a major leaguer. He was 0-8 at the time with wow. like a 7 ERA. Wow. And he won 19 games for the Astros a couple of years ago. They can recognize that stuff in, in steel guys, and in, not only in the uh, domestic market, but also overseas. You know, it's interesting, and I heard that, that figure uh – two months ago or something, that Garrett Cole in Pittsburgh for four or five years struck out eight guys in nine innings, and with Houston, he was striking out 12 per nine innings. That's a monstrous right. leap forward. It is. You know, it, it was one of the things that they saw. He, he led or was close to leading the league when he was at the Pirates two seasons ago uh, in home runs, and they just felt like that two-seam fastball was getting him in a lot of trouble. Now, it's not the case for everybody. But what they recognized in Garrett, and they saw that with Charlie Morton the season before, was that their four-seam fastball would play a lot better because the revolutions on that pitch uh, garners a lot more swing and miss. And to couple that with his type of breaking stuff, the, the two-seam fastball was you know, one of the first things they, they talked about. You know, they want the player to make the decision, but they, they show them the data. They show mm-hmm. them you know, where they were getting hurt and, and what they feel like they could, could take them to another level, and to those guys' credit, they, they bought in, and they, they, they saw it early in spring training uh, that the Astros were kind of on to something, and uh, it's worked great for both of those pitchers, and I think they're good at recognizing certain pitchers around the league that aren't utilizing their pitches to the best of their ability. You know, you know, and we'll let you go. And, and I've got one more question, but one more little statement in between. I think it really hurt a lot of Oriole fans. We kind of knew that the club was behind the times on international scouting and analytics. But when you heard Zach Britton go to New York and say he was shocked by how much more information they were giving him. And Kevin and Gosman, Gosman yeah. in Atlanta, it really yeah. hit home how, how lacking we were in those areas. Yeah, you know what, I mean, and I think everybody, and Sig's great at this. I mean, you guys will be impressed. I mean, Sig, Sig's not going to get out there out in front a lot, but it, when you get to know him, he's very personable, but he's also um, very curious. And, and to take it to another level, Sig Meidel, two seasons ago, went to go coach in short season in the New York Penn League just to get a better feel of what the players are actually going through and what kind of information he can help them with. So he got out of the comfort of his office and his situation and traveled with the team. He was the first base coach through batting practice every day. He's not an athlete. He just went out there to, to learn more about how he can help people. And he went out there for two and a half months at the New York Penn League and uh, got in the trenches. And came back better for it. But he's always been one of those guys that loves to ask questions to see if uh, that can trigger something in his mind to go in in different directions. But 
those guys are always going to challenge each other. Those guys that are kind of behind the scenes with the analytics, they want to see how they can gain an advantage. Well, they take over a team that lost 115 last year. But having been through what they went through in Houston, the 100 right. lost seasons there, does that make them better equipped yeah, to handle I, I this? So. I would think it does. It has to because you've seen it. You've seen it come to fruition in, in yeah. a world championship. You it's kind of like a guy. Uh, it's kind of like a guy who gets married and fails, and then he gets married a sec. No, that's not a good example. No, that's not a good example. <laughs> That sounds, that sounds personal. <laughs> hey, Steve, I've got one last question for you. Yeah. What will um, uh, Sig Meidel, what will his department look like in terms of the number of people that will be in it maybe within a year? Because we understand they had four or five people here. One of them pretty good, by the way, an Amherst grad who has joined your team, Sarah Gellis. Uh, but right. what will it look like? Will it be 15 people? Will it be 25 people if they invest what they want to? You know what? I have no idea. Okay. You know, they may have they, they may have different ideas themselves. Now, Sig may say, hey, Mike, you know, I'd love to hire so-and-so from baseball perspectives. I think he has a lot of creative ideas. I'd like to hire so-and-so from Mattel because I think his business model fits something that I, I would like to see us for sure. I think they'll they'll pick and choose guys from different fields just to, to get guys in a room who can challenge each other. And whether or not it's five or 10 or 15, I have no idea. Okay. But, uh, you know, I think they'll always, they'll always push each other to, to be better. And that's what I've always loved about those guys. And, and to think of guys as smart as they are, not feeling like they don't make you feel like they're the smartest guy in the room, even though they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always asking questions, uh, trying to push each other to be better, and and then just down to earth. And, and you know, sometimes for me, you know, it just kind of is a, a dumb jockey. You almost feel intimidated by a guy's intellect, but for guys like Sid and, and Mike, who's a, an Ivy League or two, they just seem so down to earth and cool about everything. And I'm excited for them, but I'm also excited for Baltimore. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, a guy who was the earliest kind of major league user of really bare-bones analytics was, a lot of people would say, was Earl Weaver with his, yeah. with his, uh, with his cards, uh, his index right. cards. Uh, and the title of his book, his autobiography or biography, it's what you know, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts, mm-hmm. meaning that you can always learn something. And that's kind of interesting to hear that Mike and Sig – kind of treat um, information that way. Right. It's hey, all about attaining an edge. How you know was uh, how was your trip last weekend? We invited you last weekend. You were out to homecoming at what, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? So it was Father's Weekend at uh, University of Oklahoma. And my my daughter, who's a sophomore there, is in the same sorority with Dave Dombrowski's daughter, uh, the general manager, obviously, of the Boston Red Sox. Yes. So we get together every year, and he was my general manager when I was with the Tigers, so we've known each other pretty well for a long that, time anyway. That game last but, night with West Virginia reminded me a lot of the Monday night game <laughs> between, yeah. the, between the Rams and, and the That's Chiefs. That's exactly right. Chiefs, yeah. I mean, just who's going to get the football last or who's going to make a crucial turnover? That's I think as you watch that unfold, you just felt like, you know, those defenses weren't going to stop the offense. Oh, that, it's just a matter of whether or not somebody was going to make a mistake. West Virginia's guy, the, the wideout, who just kept blocking 
on that yeah. run. He just kept blocking the kid out of bounds. And, I mean, it went like five, ten yards out of bounds. That, yeah, that to me, was the ball game. It was. Yeah, it changed the tide, you know. And, you know, games like that, when you have two prolific offenses like that, you just can't make those silly mistakes. I appreciate your being on, Steve. I promise next time when I say 15 to 17 minutes, we'll keep it that that short. All right? I'm not sure how long we went, but uh, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Appreciate it. Great insights from Steve Sparks, uh, uh, one of the play-by-play voices or analysts with the Houston Astros broadcast team. Hey, if you want Chick-fil-A on Sundays, well, you can get them. But with Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, You can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday only if you act today on Saturday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays, perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. That's Chick-fil-A. And uh, we're going to be back with Mark Feinsand. But before we go and take a break, let's tell folks about the specials again at the Costas Inn. 4100 North Point Boulevard, and they're open seven days a week Great place for a holiday party, too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can have a holiday party there. You can uh, go in and watch uh, all of the uh, games in the bar area on uh, all of the uh, big screen plasma TVs that they have there. And uh, great specials throughout the week. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night. And you can get great lobster on Thursday night. And then Pete has a whole host of specials on Friday. Yeah, there's a specials page on the menu each and every day. Uh, You can go in, great food, crabs, crab cakes, and you can uh, now be able to ship them. You always could, yeah. but, but the even, holiday more, season, even more important right. now with the holiday season here is you can have uh, them ship those uh, world-famous crab cakes anywhere you want. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Like a beautiful thing. Costas in 4100 North Point Boulevard. The phone number, if you'd like to talk to them about mailing you some crabs, uh, crab cakes. And crabs. Uh, and they can do crabs. Is 410-477-1975. Back with Mark Feinsand of um, MLB.com right after this. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. What's up? It's KZ. This season, you can join us for our weekly and season-long pro football picks contest at Loop League. Click the link pinned at the top of my Twitter page, that's at Fans Fantasy, and pick any five games against the spread every week. It's free to sign up, and someone wins a $25 Royal Farms gift card every single week. Plus, we'll have great season-long prizes as well. And check out all the other awesome games at Loop League, where you can link multiple fantasy competitions all at the same time. Join our Picks League now at loopleague.com. Chick-fil-A on Sundays? With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays, perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference, both at home and abroad. On the Army team, 
Respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Pressbox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Sports. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for for 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. All right, we are back on the bat around, trying to make our con- connection with Mark Feinsand of MLB.com, and we'll see if we can do that. Uh, we'll suffice to remind people right now that Ken Zalis and Sarita Hubbard and Kyle Ottenheimer are here tomorrow from 10 to 12 with fantasy foot, fantasy and reality football program. Glenn Clark will be on at halftime with Project Game Day. And then after the game, Sarita Hubbard, the NFL chick, and Glenn Clark are on with uh, Project Game Day after the game, all brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Craig, who we got on now? Well, this is a man uh, who, very similar to me, is a big Redskins fan as well. And uh, we were agonizing uh, on Thanksgiving Day, I'm sure. Uh, Mark Feinsand of uh, MLB.com, senior reporter. Good morning. How are you? Hi, see, I told you I was only going to come on if we weren't going to talk about the rest. I know, I understand, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I would be more offended that thing where he described you as being like you. You know, <laughs> that, 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 that was really annoying to me. Mark, I got to tell you, we, we, we have you on because uh, I, I saw you on the MLB uh, network uh, this past week, and you were talking a little bit about your uh, interview with Manny Machado, and I got a chance to read a little bit of it. Uh, and it appears as though Manny is maybe in a little bit of a damage control mode right now uh, as the free agency season really kicks into high gear uh, about some of his comments that he made uh, to Ken Rosenthal. What was, what was your take out of that whole interview and, and what, what Manny told you? 
You know, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's being viewed as damage control. I think Manny knew that after the World Series, he was going to have to talk about it eventually. Um, and the fact that it's, you know, sort of been this lingering topic, yeah, he was going to have to talk about it. Uh, my biggest takeaway was that he was kind of embarrassed by the whole thing. Uh, you know, that, that he didn't express himself very clearly what he meant to say uh, when he talked to Ken. He, you know, he used the Johnny Hustle line, you know, talked to me about, you know, he's not a guy who goes with eyewash and fake hustle and, you know, running out balls that, that have no chance or, or, you know, sliding into first base. And that's just his game. And look, you guys in Baltimore have seen it long enough uh, that, that that what didn't come as a shock to anybody. That would be like Robinson Cano saying something like that and, you know, Yankee fans feeling outraged. So uh, that's his game. But Manny also stressed, you know, several times to me that, that he, you know, doesn't mean he doesn't go out of his way to try to win games for his team. And, you know, he gives everything that he has for that. Uh, so I, I think he was embarrassed by the way it came out and the fact that he didn't express himself, you know, very well. Um, but it didn't feel like damage control. He was actually in a really good mood. Um, you know, he was he was not willing to talk about details of free agency, but he's been kind of enjoying the process. And um, you know, I think he's looking forward to the fact that he can, you know, for the first time in his career, he can really pick where he plays. I'm not trying to give away your secrets, but did his agent have something to do with the interview, or did you just pick a, pick up the phone and call Manny, or did he reach out to you? How did it come about? Uh, it came about by me working for about four weeks to try to get him. <laughs> okay, on that's what I various channels. So, okay, you know, from the from the time that everything happened with Rosenthal, you know, NLCS, you knew he was going to have to clarify or speak or something at some point, and so. Uh, through several different channels, I've been trying to get Manny on the phone for about a month, and uh, and finally it did happen. Good, good effort there, uh, and good hustle on your part. No pun intended. I got to ask no you one hustle there. Yeah, no fake <laughs> hustle, no eyewash, just hard work. I got to ask you one question about Manny. I'm not his biggest fan in Baltimore, having watched him for some of the reasons that have kind of come out now. But I find the notion that he's a sort of uh, an, an obvious dirty ball player to be just overkill uh, and piling on right now. Uh, I I'm find myself in a minority of almost one or two here in town that defend him on the, the couple plays where he ran onto the first baseman's Achilles you know, heel uh, by saying that neither of those first basemen were particularly skilled first basemen. They had an awful lot of their foot on the bag, and that Manny coming off of two injuries, two surgically repaired knees, that's all. That's that's in, in, in sort of giving him the credit that he's going to be able to intentionally step on their heel, but not hurt himself. I find that notion kind of ridiculous myself. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, and, I, and I've talked to players who are not involved in this. You yeah, know I mean, look, you talk to guys on the Brewers; they're going to say he's a dirty player. You talk to guys. On the Red Sox, they're going to talk about, you know, his slide to Pedroia was a dirty play. But I've talked to players who have, you know, sort of no skin in the game in terms of this actual topic, and they don't – I haven't gotten an overwhelming that, you know, that too many guys think that he's, you know, this dirty, dirty player who, you know, is a menace to the game. Uh, and I'll tell you this, almost every one of them ended the conversation by saying, uh, I'd be happy to have him on my team. So, right. Yeah. You know, I think the Supreme Talent is certainly – greater than whatever uh, downside there is to having a Manny Machado on your team. And I think, uh, you know, everybody's talking about, well, but this is going to cost him money. I don't think it's going to cost him any money. I think he's going to land himself, 
you know, if not the biggest contract in baseball history, certain one of the top three or four. Well, now that brings me to the other person uh, that we always talk about when we lump these two guys together, and that's Bryce Harper. How do you see that, and what have you heard here in the early going as to where Bryce Harper may land? Well, you know, the team you keep hearing is Philly. Uh, just, you know, they have a lot of money to spend. Their owner came out last week and said they, you know, might be planning on spending stupid amounts of money, which certainly would indicate that, uh, you know, plus $100 million would, would be in that realm. Um, you know, he kills it in that ballpark, albeit against Philly's pitching that he would no longer be facing. Uh, but I do think, you know, that's a team certainly watch. I don't think it's a done deal that he's out of Washington. I think No, and you know, I don't either. Whatever whatever the final offer, the final deal that he has somewhere else, I can't imagine Scott Boris doesn't go back to the Nats and say, match this and he'll be back. Because um, I think, you know, deep down in Bryce's heart, talking to people who know him, I, I think he'd like to stay there if all things are equal. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know that it's a done deal that he's gone. I still think the Nats are in play. Uh, but certainly the, the Phillies would be, you know, uh, doing a, a double strike there by, by adding him to their lineup and taking him away from a division. But isn't it, isn't it typical Scott Burroughs to just say, well, look, we're shooting for $500 million over 14 years. You know, why wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Why wouldn't he? Look, I, I, you know, I remember in 2005, 2006, Johnny Damon was a free agent. Scott Boris was out there saying, Johnny Damon's going to get a seven-year contract. He was 32 years old. Right. There was zero chance he was going to get a seven-year contract. But that's what he kept saying. That's what he kept saying. Because I'm sure that in his heart he said, we want four. So if we put it out there that we want seven, well, then the team that signs that agrees to give him four will feel like uh, you know they're getting the bargain here. They're getting one over on us by only signing him to a four-year deal. So you know, Boris in his mind has a four hundred million as his target. Well, let's throw out five hundred so that when we settle, quote unquote, on four hundred, uh, you know, the team that's given him the four hundred thinks they they got a hundred million dollar discount. We're talking with Mark Feinsand, uh, executive reporter for MLB.com. Mark, uh, you're plugged into uh, the baseball world uh, about as good as anybody. I've heard rumors from some people out of Philly that they feel that Nick Markakis would be a valuable piece to have as a precursor to getting Manny, that he's one of the guys that Manny would be sort of shamed into acting more professionally all the time uh, from their time together in Baltimore. You hearing any of that? I haven't heard that specifically, but, you know, I mean, Markeka certainly was a respected teammate of his for a long time. That wouldn't surprise me if that was a thought out there. Um, you know, the one thing Machado kept saying over and over during our conversation was he wants to win. Get into the World Series last year and losing really uh, was an eye-opener for him because he realized how hard it was to get there and how hard it is to win it. Um, and I think he wants to go somewhere where he feels he's going to be a contender. So, uh, you know, the combination of what they have in stock right now the money they're planning on spending going ahead, uh, et cetera, the division, everything else will come into play. Adding Markakis obviously would add another good player to Philly in addition yep. to a guy that he knows and respects. So uh, I think it would it would probably help, you know, Philly, with how much money they're planning on spending overall, uh, you know, not just this year, but, but going forward, certainly seems like a place that, you know, is planning on contending. So wouldn't surprise me if Philly was in the mix for Manny as well. You know, I keep seeing these stories about, you know, could they land both of them? I just mm-hmm. can't see that happening, um, especially when I think Philly in the back of their minds is thinking, Mike Trout's a free agent in two years. He's from right around here, uh, and, and 
that would seem like a natural fit as well. So, you know, could I see them landing Manny or Bryce and then in two years trying to get Trout? Sure, I could see that. Um, but I don't, I don't see them getting both of these guys this winter. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, though, as far as people talking about whether the Yankees are interested from the standpoint of him playing first base. To me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have Bryce Harper, the outfielder, kind of move to a position that he's not known at all. And I know you can teach it, but I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how good a fit it is. It's it's a joke, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think you know the idea that you're going to give a player three hundred and fifty plus million dollars to play a position where he's never played before. Right, I just don't see it. And Brian Cashman actually came out on the record and basically said as much. You know, he's he's the idea that they've had internal conversations about this. To me, I mean, I covered the Yankees for sixteen years. They have internal conversations about everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they've had internal conversations about whether Manny Machado could play second base. You know, you have a conversation for 10 seconds, then you've had internal conversations. So, right. um, you know, the idea that Bryce can play first, I'm sure it came up. I'm sure they discussed it, and I'm sure they said, that's great. We're not giving $300 plus million to a guy to play a position he's never played before. So I don't think the Yankees are in a Harper. I think they're going to be very in on Machado. Um, but I just, I just don't see Harper as the right fit for them right now, given the glut of outfielders that they have. The way the Yankees operate, the Hal Steinbrenner comments a week ago, uh, I found totally appropriate, but do you think he discussed it and they felt that there might be a little edge if they get on the offensive a little with Manny, that maybe it could help them uh, by acting as if, well, he's got some answering to do? Yeah, look, I think, you know, they Hal spoke what he felt. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's what he does. And I think, you know, the, the other thing that Manny told me is they're not gonna they're not going on a free agent tour where they go and, you know, visit eight different places or whatever. But once they whittle it down to, you know, two, three, maybe four teams where he's seriously considering, he's planning on sitting down with the GM, he's planning on sitting down with the owner and answering whatever questions they have. So Hal will have his chance if the Yankees are, are among that group, Hal will have his chance to sit down with Machado and ask him every question he wants eye to eye. And, you know, guys, Al Steinbrenner, guys like Brian Cashman, they've been around enough players. Uh, they've been businessmen long enough in Hal's case that, you know, you can get a feel for whether somebody's throwing the bull at you. And, uh, you know, they'll have a chance to, to look Machado in the eye, read his face, see what he says, and uh, decide whether they believe him or not. Did you discuss his hairdo in 2018, <laughs> Mark? And maybe that that needs not. to be I'm reworked? Not, uh, no, I did not. I'm not much of a hair. Stylist, that was the strangest. So that was one of the stranger looks I've ever seen on any baseball player. Mark. Um, yeah, it was. It was out there. <laughs> MLB MLB trade rumors, which does a pretty good job at projecting from number one to fifty, and then the, they pick who they think they'll go to, and they have a big contest asking fans to send in who they think so and so will go to, and I think you win some prize money or something. They had Harper getting 14 years. They had Machado getting 13 years. Uh, I think they're both going to get big contracts, but I think they're going to be more like seven-year contracts with three-year or four-year outs. Uh, Do you think there's any chance either of them get that term, that length of contract? 13 and 14 feel excessive. I know Stanton got a 13-year deal, uh, you know, when he signed his extension with the Marlins. It feels long. I don't think it really matters, yeah. honestly, how how long the contract is. Because I think what you just said, I think it's going to be like a, more like a ten year deal. Uh, but there's going to be an opt out after three or four years where they can go back on the market at thirty years old, twenty nine, thirty years old, 
uh, and and you know, assuming that baseball continues in the trend it has, uh, you know, they'll have a chance if they've had three or four good years wherever they land to go back on the market and try to get more. Um, if if that's there, and if not, then they'll have to settle, quote unquote, on whatever uh, you know, three hundred plus million they agree to this year. But yeah, thirteen and fourteen feel like a really long time because yeah. the the idea that you, I mean, signing guys to forty to their birthday is just not what teams do anymore. And the fact, you know, the thing that makes these two guys so appealing is that they are 26 and you can sign them to a 10 year deal and that just takes them to 36. So I would expect 10 year deals for both with that opt out after three or four. Mark, what was the general consensus from Hal Steinbrenner and the Yankees brain trust after you win a hundred games and you're the wild card team and you lose to your arch rival uh, and they wind up winning the World Series. Uh, what I mean, going forward, we've already seen them make the Paxson move, uh, but but what was the general consensus as to, you know, how do you get better after a 100-win season? Well, the biggest difference between Hal and his father is there's no overreaction. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where the boss would have said, oh, screw this, go get Harper and Machado. <laughs> Uh, that's, and that's, that's exa- not what Hal That's did. exactly so, what he would have done, too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and Corbin and Kimbrell, too. You know, I mean, I, right, I that would have right. been sort of fun to see what George would have done in that situation. Uh, but I think, you know, Hal is a measured guy. I don't think he's going to let the fact that the Red Sox won the World Series, you know, push him into doing something silly. Uh, that said, they look at their roster, and Jay Happ was a free agent, and, uh, you know, you've got Didi Gregorius out for at least half a year with Tommy John. Um, and you've got, you know, a couple of relievers and Robertson and Britton who are free agents. And there are some moves that have to be made. And the Yankees look, and they know they need some help in their rotation, hence the Paxton deal. Uh, you know, even after they brought Sebastian back, Cashman said, we're, we're still looking for two more starters. Paxton was one. Uh, you know, Corbin, I think, is the prime target for the other one. And then, uh, you know, with Hap sort of as the fallback, they're going to get some relievers to replace Robertson and Britton, I think, in this age of the Super Bullpen. They're planning on continuing to have one. Uh, I don't think it's an overreaction to the Red Sox. I think this is just, you know, they, they finally got under the, the luxury tax threshold, and they know they're not, you know, they've reset that luxury tax percentage. And, uh, you know, they can go spend some money if they want to, and I think they're, they probably will. Remaining couple minutes with Mark Feinsand of uh, executive reporter MLB.com. Mark, um, the baseball winter meetings are coming up. First of all, I've been following baseball a long time. I never recall them being held in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, one other time. They were, they were there one other time. Okay. All right, I take it back. Tell me, give me a couple storylines that you think could emerge during these baseball winter meetings. Well, Bryce and Manny will be the top two, as we know. Yep. Um, do you think they'll I both think sign? Do you think they'll both sign during the meetings? You know, it wouldn't stun me if at least one of them do. You look at Machado... You know, Dan Lozano is not a guy who drags out these negotiations like Boris does. Uh, you know, Albert Pujols signed his $240 million deal at the winter meetings, um, and, and Lozano was his agent. So wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you know, Manny said he had no timetable, and, and when it's right, it's right, and he's ready to go. Um, but I think, you know, the, based on history, it wouldn't stun me if, if Manny did sign at the winter meetings. Harper is a different story only because of Boris, although, you know, Bryce Harper's from Las Vegas, and mm-hmm. the idea of them holding a big glitzy press conference in Las Vegas during the winter meetings when the entire baseball media is assembled there, uh, it feels like that could be a natural fit as well. So, 
Um, you know, I, I'm not saying he will sign, but I don't think it's out of the question. Beyond that, I think you're going to hear a lot of trade rumors about guys like Paul Goldschmidt, guys like Zach Greinke, um, you know, some big-name players who are, who are potentially going to be dealt. Uh, I think that'll be, a, you know, we all know who the free agents are, but you don't know who's going to get traded. So, you know, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, there are going to be a lot of big-name guys who are on that market um, and I think trade rumors are going to be flying more than usual at this year's meetings. All right. We really appreciate your coming on and discussing uh, your recent interview, the good hard work and journalism of getting Manny Machado on the other line. Well, now, can Colt McCoy get the Redskins to the playoffs? That's the other big question. <laughs> the bigger <laughs> question is whether the defense can stop anybody. Cause yeah, that that's was really true. the problem on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mark, we really appreciate it. Have safe travels to Las Vegas. Happy holidays, all. All right, there you have it. There you have it. Good, good guy. Good yeah, reporter. Yeah, absolutely. Worked a month on getting Machado. Yeah, yeah, and he's covered the Yankees for a long, long time too. Yeah. Uh, Would you have been able to get Machado on the phone at all? I m- might have been able yeah. to. Did you help Mark Feinstein? No, no, no. It's a good friend. No. Really good friend. No. But Manny doesn't play here anymore. I so know. what? You know, he certainly doesn't. That's right. He certainly doesn't. Uh, real quick before we take the break. Do the Milwaukee Brewers tender Jonathan Scope at nine five to ten point two? I'm not so sure, Stan. Yeah. I think he's going to be out there too. I think he's going to be a free agent yeah. before this is all said and done. Interesting. Um, all right, we're going to take our final timeout. Correct, Miss Miss Everett. But right. I will say this about it: I, I think that Jonathan's not not necessarily focus, but just concentration maybe is a better word for it just got thrown off when he left manny yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah yeah i think he's got some work to do yeah no question about it all right we're going to take a final time out and then we'll be back to wrap this baby up uh and let you go on your merry way respect it's more than a word in the u.s army it is one of our core values earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg profiles six-time Pro Bowler Marshall Yanda, an NFL star so unlikely he still drives a beat-up old pickup truck. Plus, our annual college basketball preview as we break down all of the Division I men's and women's hoops teams in the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. 
Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Oriole podcasts around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts what's up it's kz this season you can join us for our weekly and season-long pro football picks contest at loop league click the link pinned at the top of my twitter page that's at fans fantasy and pick any five games against the spread every week it's free to sign up and someone wins a 25 dollars royal farms gift card every single week plus we'll have great season-long prizes as well and check out all the other awesome games at loop league where you can link multiple fantasy competitions all at the same time join our picks league now at loop league so I'm what you'd call a regular at Chick-fil-A. I go a lot. And if you are too, then join the club, the Chick-fil-A One Club. When you get food, you get points. And when you get points, you earn free stuff, like more food. Breakfast, for example. Yep, breakfast. There's an egg white grill on a multi-grain muffin with cheese that's not only delicious and healthy, but it now earns you points. Buy anything, get points. Order through your Chick-fil-A app, get points. You're going to Chick-fil-A anyway. Why not get free stuff for your efforts? Join Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A One online or through your app. And while I've got your attention, please remember Chick-fil-A Catering. It's a real live crowd pleaser. In fact, order twice as much as you think you'll need. Trust me. Go see Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Tell him I sent you. If you need help downloading your app, don't ask Steve, but he'll know someone who can help. Chick-fil-A One. Get food. Earn more free food. Press Box's Project Game Day is back. At halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game, you can re- react. That's the word, react. React. Live, live with us on press, press. Let me start over again. Press Box's Project Game Day is back. At halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game, you can react. Live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime. And he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Press boxes, Project Game Day, Facebook.com slash Sports, And make sure when you come here via Facebook Live that you like the action. Now, here's what happens during the break. Yeah. Stan will tell Brittany what interviews to save right so we can repost them on facebook and you can listen to them and at your leisure and i also mail them out to my mail them out right exactly the links make sure brit that you get the first part of that spot that he just read or tried to read so we can send that out to all the people (laughs) brit likes her job (laughs) brit likes her job way too much you know 
I mean, it right. was pretty funny. It yeah. was pretty <laughs> funny. It was. Now, what, I don't mind your... you using it during the show, but I look, don't want to mail it out to look, people. Look, we came in the, together this morning after yeah. having some breakfast. Yeah. Now, now, look, Brittany's mother watches this on Facebook. Does she really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my mom tunes in every weekend. Let's not give her the wrong does she, impression. <laughs> does she Does she share the show? So my mom doesn't have Facebook, but she watches it somehow. How I don't know. I, I don't know. She's committed. She doesn't even have a Facebook, and she can watch it. Well, if she's uh, watching us, she should be. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard. I got to hear that one directly from the horse's mouth. Uh, How does she watch us not on Facebook? Uh, she turns on the TV. I think you could still watch it on Facebook, even if you don't have an account. That's a possibility, yeah. That's a possibility, but uh, okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond. Great, great show today. We had our friend Steve Garland from Big Bats on to talk about fan reaction to the Mike Elias and Sig Meidel, uh, I got to get that right, Sig Meidel uh, signings by the Orioles. Uh, Todd Karpovich was on to talk about that as well. Todd has a autograph signing going on from 1130 to 1 today at Greetings and Readings so, with Mar- Mark Amatucci. So it's going right on now, right now. It's going yeah. on right now. Uh, he's got to be at the Towson game by 2 o'clock today. Towson hosting Duquesne in a – FCS playoff. Or as we like to say, Duquesne. Duquesne, yes, yes. Uh, We had Mike Shallon on from the New Hampshire Union leader. It's too bad about him not getting that job at Forbes. Um, (laughs) But he is always gracious enough to spend some time with us. Steve Sparks joined us at Mm 11.05, and we talked to him about the hirings of Mike Elias and Sig Meidel. And also knuckleballers, which I found an interesting uh, part of the conversation. Mark Feinsand, uh, executive reporter for MLB.com, joined us as well. When I was a kid, and I'm watching Wilbur Wood for the Chicago White Sox, I remember and I, and that. I know, I know you uh, watched a lot of the same sure. stuff I watched. Sure. That man used to drive me nuts because you could never get a read on what he was doing. Yep. And yep. he was just a real tough pitcher he was a to tough, hit. He yeah. was a nasty customer. Yes, he yeah, was. He was. He was very tricky. I, I love the knuckleball, and I'm fascinated why more people like And I'll give you an example. Like when Brad Bergeson mm-hmm. suddenly went from a pretty good prospect to, to zip. Right. Why somebody like that wouldn't have tried a comeback, you know, at the age of 28 or 29 with a knuckleball. committing to knuckleball? Yeah. I also and thought, you know, the funny I thought part Jeff Ballard would have been a great knuckleball pitcher. Yeah, and, and the funny part about that, too, is you see, you know, like Wakefield, mm-hmm. and then you run up against a guy like R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey's knuckleball is much harder, faster, and faster. He throws it harder. Than, yeah. Yeah, than, yeah, than. I was going to ask him that question, but we kind of. <clears throat> Ran out of time and got on. And, and we didn't have him on, actually, to talk about the knuckleball. No, we didn't. Yeah. We didn't. Uh, next week, we'll be back with another uh, set of great guests. I hope Craig Heist will be here. We'll be here from 10 to 12. Have a great week ahead. Don't forget Glenn Clark, Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 with Kyle Ottenheimer uh, and the Fantasy and Reality Football Show tomorrow, 10 to 12 with Ken Zalis, Sarita Hubbard, and Kyle Ottenheimer. Have a great weekend ahead. Hope you had a great holiday weekend up to this point and that the rest of it's pretty good too. Bye.